Hi, this is Shotgun Tom Kelly, and now that I have your attention, you wanted to be close to him in the dugout during his impressive 15-year Major League career because he was always watching, listening, and looking for an edge. Now, Kurt Bavakwa brings that edge to Dirty Kurt's dugout, where you can listen, watch, and be a part of the most honest, informative baseball show available today. Now, here's Kurt! Well, welcome to Dirty Kurt's Dugout. It's a, uh, it's a pretty nice Southern California day in San Diego. And... I wanted to come on, even though there's hardly anything going on, except speculation, and speak with you. So please spread the word that I want some back and forth between you and I and the topics today, which are going to be the Hall of Fame, naturally. Uh, that'll be coming up in another uh, two weeks, let's say. Um, we definitely want to talk about the collective bargaining agreement and I'm going to use the San Diego Padres, uh, coaching staff, new coaching staff, I might add, uh, as an example in one of the topics that I want to discuss with you all today. And I am definitely going to have it available for me to see exactly who joins in on the show today. I'm going to ask my tech guru, Alan, to uh, keep an eye out in case I might miss something or screw up like I did last week. And I apologize for all the people that, uh, that not only tuned in, but weighed in on certain things. I kind of messed up on, um, the differences between where I go to be able to see your responses and your questions to me. So I want to make sure that uh, I have that available uh, to me today. What do you think about the speculation that nobody's going to be elected into the Hall of Fame this year? That'll be two years in a row. If that happens, I don't, I don't think that's ever happened before where there's been two consecutive years where nobody's been elected into the hall of fame. We're going to, uh, we're going to touch on, on that along with naturally who might be elected into the hall of fame um, during uh, the 45 minutes or so that we're going to be together today. Um, first of all, I'd like to thank uh, Cindy and Tony out at uh, Hacienda Casablanca in El Cajon. Um, the first televised game for 2022. We're going to have to have a watch party out at Hacienda. Because I know everybody's going to be instant to get back into baseball. Uh, not everybody's going to go to the game, which keep that in mind for a later discussion that I'm going to bring up to you. Just an idea. Because as far as I'm concerned, you fans hold all the cards. You really do. You might think that you don't. But you do. You really do. I'm saying that. And I'm going to make a note to make sure that I don't forget towards the latter part of the show to suggest something to baseball fans throughout 
the land. And by land, I'm talking about the United States and Toronto. Because that's where the 30 major league teams reside. It's not just here in San Diego. This is not going against any one major league team. This is for the fans to stand up as one and say, what's going on, guys? We deserve better. And you know what? If this lockout slash potential strike takes place, if you don't stand up, it'll continue whenever MLB and the Major League Baseball Players Association see fit. It really will. Excuse me for a minute. Drop the note that I wanted to make sure that I make a notation on to get to you. Kyle Lundy's evening from uh, Boone, North Carolina. I actually know where Boone, North Carolina is. So, uh, uh, Kyle, how are you? Hope you're doing well. Thanks for watching. Um, get back to what I was just talking about, about I know I've got you all on the edge of your seats. What's he going to say? I'll tell you. Getting back to Tony and Cindy at Hacienda Casablanca out in El Cajon, uh, who have been with us since the inception of this show. Uh, great place to have dinner, um, have a little toddy, uh, sit back and relax. Uh, there's lots of TVs in there for you to enjoy the games, whether it's baseball or football. Uh, as a matter of fact, Cindy's a big Packer fan. So uh, if the Packers are playing – and it's available on TV. It's going to be on at Hacienda. I promise you that. So it's a good place to go, grab some food, enjoy it uh, with some friends, uh, have a beer, have some great Mexican food, and tell Tony and Cindy that I sent you or that you heard about it on Dirty Kurt's Dugout. I got to make sure my phone doesn't go off because that's happened before. It was turned down, but I just wanted to make sure. Uh, and the other sponsor I'd like to thank has to do with our segment, uh, Did You See or Hear That? And that is uh, Lasima Oil Company, your neighborhood Chevron stations around San Diego, uh, who just fill up your tank for you. Um, if you win our little contest that producer Joe, who I see is trying to join us, but he's having some technical difficulties. Um, that happens with technology the way it is today, whether it be internet and the Wi-Fi, the connection between uh, everything that we plug into to make this show uh, the best for you. So it's going to be uh, an interesting thing. Uh, if you continue to watch, uh, continue to note certain things within the broadcast uh, that at the end of the month, we'll present you with somewhat of a trivia question. It's not... A trivia question per se, but it's trivia as far as the last three or four shows are concerned. Uh, and I'll give you an example. Uh, the first person that won the uh, the fill-up was $100 worth of gas, uh, which will fill up most cars, unless you have a big old truck, uh, like one of my sons does, uh, will not get him a fill-up. Um, producer Joe picked out the McKeon interview when I had Jack on for his birthday from 
North Carolina also, Elon. And Joe picked out a good one. He, uh, Jack had said something along the lines when he took over the Miami Marlins job that um, he benched Ellie Rodriguez, the catcher, the Hall of Fame catcher, about two weeks into being named the manager when he went up into the clubhouse during a game one day and took a shower and dressed in his street clothes. Jack set a precedent right there that he was the boss on that team. And Rodriguez even came up to him at the end of the year after the Marlins won the World Series, coincidentally, and said, I'm glad that you called me out because that brought us together. It brought us together as a group. And it showed all the other players that you were calling the shots and that players shouldn't do what I did. So it was a great learning tool for the players on that young team. The Mike Lowell's of the world who you see on MLB Network. Well, not now. We'll get into that, too. Because MLB has shut everything down because of the collective bargaining agreement. But our, our friends at Lysima Oil provide us with a $100 gift card, which we give out to one of, the, one of you, one of our listeners, uh, the first one that can notify us of whatever the question was. I believe it was about, if I'm not mistaken, the third or fourth person that, uh, that sent in a response. Uh, was the winner. Doug Gladstone, I see, is on on the podcast uh, joining us. Doug, I appreciate you joining us. Uh, I'll talk about Doug in a minute. Um, he will be... Uh, it's, it's funny that he's joining us today because I'm, I'm going to bring up uh, something that, that he has certainly been behind. Uh, for the last uh, 15 years or so. And that is, um, let's call them the Lost Boys of Summer, uh, the players that were left out of the uh, collective bargaining agreement, the CBA negotiations back in 1980, 1981, when Marvin Miller and Don Fear uh, were running the place. And uh, the owners came to the uh, Players Association and said, I'll tell you what, forget about this four years and these 20 years, uh, needing 20 years to get maximum one quarter and a guy will be vested. And when I say one quarter, I'm talking about 43 days. I mean, the players association almost fell all over themselves with, uh, with signing this deal or and, and putting the dot in the eyes and crossing the T's on the rest of the deal and making sure that uh, that this thing didn't fall through, that they kind of forgot about one little thing. They didn't make it retroactive. And it affected over 1,200 players. That number's down to 600 now. So since... I don't know, maybe Doug can help me. 2001, maybe, so 20 years. Uh, 600 of them plus have passed on. And their wives and family are left with nothing. Because even though Major League Baseball, uh, Bud Seeley is going to take responsibility for it because he was the commissioner at the time, but uh, they awarded these players uh, a certain amount of money for every quarter that they were in the big leagues. So in other words, if a player had three years and three and three quarters years, he's shy 
of having four years. So therefore, he's not a vested benefits member. Or he doesn't get a pension. So Major League Baseball awarded these guys. I want to say $650 a quarter. And a quarter is the 43 days that I'm talking about. So it's approximately thirteen to fourteen hundred dollars a year. It has to be long. It has to be more than that uh, because it's a total of ten thousand dollars. You can get as much as ten thousand dollars, which is equal to about four years on the pension, but you get no other benefits. When I die, God forbid, I want to stay with you guys for a little bit longer. My pension plan, at least a good segment of it, is turned over to my wife. Or in other words, it's widow's benefits, which widows certainly deserve. It's like no other, any other pension plan, not no other pension plan, but any other pension plan. Uh, if you've been married at least a year and, and some of these players die, uh, haven't been married for 40 and 50 years. Uh, Dave Hilton was one of the first ones to pass away after, um, this payoff was implemented. It's not really a payoff, a payout. And uh, Patty Hilton, uh, his wife, uh, Dave and Patty lived in the Arizona uh, Phoenix area, uh, was not only devastated by the loss of her husband of so long, but also the fact that she no longer received the check from Major League Baseball. This is a wrong that needs to be righted. And Doug Gladstone, the gentleman's name who you see on the screen, who just let us know that uh, Fred Andrews of the Phillies uh, just passed away. Uh, we're losing guys uh, certainly weekly and uh, way too much. Um, so his numbers state, um, and, and Doug's on top of it, so these numbers are probably uh, pretty right on, uh, down from uh, 1,268 to, uh, oh, 206, 206, are you sure about that, Doug? Only 260 have died since the agreement in April 2011. That's 10 years. I thought 600 or so had died. I thought that maybe that was when the agreement was made. There was 1,200 guys. So he's sure. If he says he's sure, I'm with him because I know he's done research into this. He's written a book. Um a bitter cup of coffee. If you're interested in it, you can go out and get it. Um, so again, I appreciate Doug uh, being a part of the show. I see my buddy, Terrence Morgan, the only Dodger fan, or I shouldn't say the only one. I mean, I, I like other Dodger fans. It's not, it's not Dodger fans. It really isn't. Uh, there's a gal down here in San Diego by the name of Linda Wilson. I, I still can't figure out why she's such a, big Dodger fan and she lives in San Diego. It always has, but so be as it may. But Terrence is as big a Dodger fan as you can get. And uh, we we both can take it. We both dish it out and, uh, and go back and forth on certain things. So getting back to the speculation on the Hall of Fame voting. Um. 
I mean, a Hall of Fame voter. Uh, and then I saw where a couple of other guys agreed with him that there was not going to be anybody elected into the Hall of Fame this year. I really don't think so, but I might be wrong because the only reasoning I have for it is that I don't think the Hall of Fame wants to go without all that publicity for another year. Now, last year, they kind of got away with it. And I, I think there weren't guys elected. Well, I don't know if this was a conspiracy, but I don't think it was a coincidence that they didn't want last year's Hall of Fame inductions to be cluttered with Derek Jeter being in the mix. You can say what you want to about Derek Jeter, and, and I've seen a lot. I've seen called out for not deserving to be in the Hall of Fame uh, because of his fielding. Um, I'm going to tell you something, folks. If you go out to the shortstop position every day on a Major League Baseball team, for 20 years, whatever amount of years that Derek went out there every single day, you can play. There's not a manager in the world, I don't care who the hell you are, that because of your name is going to stick you in a lineup at a key position like shortstop if you can't catch the ball and throw the ball and captain. And when I say captain, I'm talking about the infield captain because the shortstop more or less falls into that category, if no other reason, by accident. Because he's kind of in the middle of everything. Derek Jeter is a stand-up as you can get. As a matter of fact, I, I wish I would have been able to follow him his entire career because I would have liked to have seen if he had ever gotten as mad as he got when a writer asked him outside of a hotel in New York, I believe it was, or it might have been his apartment. What he thought of Carlos Correa's comments about him not deserving the gold glove awards that he won. <laughs> Boy, you could see steam uh, coming out of his head in every orifice possible. I mean, he was ticked off. And if a player doesn't lose it, when he's disrespected by another player, especially a player of that caliber, he's never going to lose it. And this guy never lost it. He played in the media capital of the world, New York City. Never saw anything there. Never saw anything come out bad about this guy. This isn't an enshrinement of Derek Jeter. He just came up as an example. Writers did a good job. And, and I will quote Posada on, he wants to know who the one writer is that didn't vote for him. Well, I have questions about those guys too. The hall needs to rethink its voting process and who votes. I can promise you that. This process began in 1936. And within 30 years of it beginning up to 1966, the election cycle changed five times. 
So the hall's not afraid to make changes. I'll give you an example of what I'm what I'm talking about on the election cycle changing. It it began where players were elected every year. And that went on for a couple of years. And then it went to every three years. So the hall didn't have an election for three years. And that only went on for like four or five years. And they decided to go back to every year. And then that went on for a couple of years and they decided to go to every other year. And then in 1966, they went, wait a minute. We're going to go back to every year. And it's been like that ever since. Well, guess what? I think they had a good idea. I don't think the Hall of Fame needs to have an election every single year. All the Hall of Fame votes needed to be in by January 1st of 2022. They're going to make the announcement on January 25th, 2022. At least I think they are. On MLB Network. And I say I think they are because there hasn't been any regularly scheduled programming on the MLB network since the owners locked out the players when the CBA expired. Nothing but reruns. I'm so tired of Mr. 3000, I can't even tell you. Am I tired of the Ken Burns documents, documentaries, uh, and all the other things that are on MLB Network at certain times? No. I love it. But come on, guys. We can only watch that so many times. Come up with something different. And it's not MLB Network's fault. It's the commissioner's office who locked everything up and didn't have to. But they did. In 1968, a couple of years after they went back to the one year, a screening committee was implemented to limit the the ballot to 40 players. 40. 40 players. Are you kidding me or something? In in 5%. 5% of the vote and you're on the ballot for the next year. I mean, what's up with that? Those are two things that need to get changed. The hall of fame needs to really sit down and consider where they're at, especially with who their voters are nowadays. Because as these players pass away that are part of this number that I was talking to you about with Doug Gladstone a couple of minutes ago. These sports writers are also leaving us and retiring. And as soon as they retire for 10 years, I believe that their voting privileges are taken away. So if a writer retires at 60, 65, when he's 75, the Hall of Fame can look at his voting privileges and revoke them. So with that said, are they going to award Hall of Fame votes to all the bloggers? Because sports writing isn't what it used to be. You don't have writers 
like the Jim Murray's of the world and the Charlie Nobles down in Miami that get on a plane and travel with the team everywhere they go. The Phil Colliers here in San Diego. And that's not to take away from anybody that I haven't mentioned. Um, Bernie Wilson is an AP writer here in San Diego. He has a Hall of Fame vote. How many of those guys are left? Where you're a scribe for the local rag that is a beat writer for the major league team that's in your town, the Kansas City Star. Do they have beat writers that travel with the teams? There's There can't be more than 30 guys. I mean, 60 at the most. So each one of those guys has a Hall of Fame vote after they've been around for 10 years. And naturally, they're looked at and all of that stuff. But I don't want them to look at guys because they've written good articles about the Baltimore Orioles for the last 15, 20 years. I want to look at these guys' ballots and see whether or not they got their head where the sun don't shine. Because I tell you what, I love Raul Ibanez and Adam Dunn, Brad Penny. Love them to death. They all received Hall of Fame votes. I don't know from who, but they did. But when Hideki Matsui gets four Hall of Fame votes, his first year eligibility, in my mind, something wrong. Not because those guys are not good baseball players. And we can have this argument all the time because that's what the Hall of Fame ballot is. It's about arguments. And Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens should be in the Hall of Fame this year. But they're probably not. And I know there's plenty of room for argument there. But don't elect David Ortiz and have him be the only guy to go in and not put those guys in. We're talking about speculation with these two players. And you can argue all you want to. They never tested positive. Now, was it because they had a good cover-up? I don't know the answer to that. But I also know that I'm not positive as to whether or not they use steroids. Did they use them before steroids were banned? And then stopped? We know Mark McGuire did that. He was the cause of the whole deal because it was right there. Started the whole steroid mess because it was right in his locker where all the reporters come in and gather after the game to talk to the players. Right there in his locker. Wasn't hiding anything. Wasn't pushed to the back. Wasn't turned around. Wasn't in his baseball bag. Wasn't in the trainer's office where writers aren't allowed. 
It was just there because it was legal. It was not illegal to use this substance at that time. And then it happened. Cover up. So, the other thing about the baseball writers and who should vote, who shouldn't vote. Let's remember this. Mariano Rivera is the only player in the history of the game of baseball to be elected on all ballots. Only player. How does that happen? Was he deserving to be elected on 100% of the ballots? Maybe so. Maybe so. But you're telling me, and I'm talking to all the baseball writers here, past and present, that DiMaggio and Ruth and Bench and Schmidt and Gwynn and Honest Wagner shouldn't have been elected on 100% of the vote. And now we're seeing guys get into the Hall of Fame that shouldn't even be elected at all. It's not good. Let's get back to the CBA. Uh, And I'm going to start out this segment by, uh, by just telling you guys flat out, I don't like Rob Manfred. I've been telling you that for the last couple of years. If you've been out there, you've been listening. I, I don't trust him. He just seems like the kind of guy that would stab you in the back first chance he got. That's my personal opinion. Sorry, Rob. That's the way I feel. I don't think he's done anything since he's been the commissioner or before to make me think otherwise. I know everybody's out there going, yeah, he's only doing his job. No, he isn't. He isn't. You know what his job is? His job is to act in the best interest of baseball. Was it in the best interest of baseball to lock things up on December 1st? Basically shut everything down? Blackout the pictures of your favorite players on your team's websites? Not give players returning from Tommy John surgery and some with major injuries uh, not quite up to the the par with Tommy John surgery, or at least as far as rehabilitation is concerned, not being able to go in 
and see the trainers and team doctors, is that good for the game of baseball? Hopefully, these players have good people, and I'm sure they do, that they're out seeing. But I would much rather have the Mike Clevengers of the world, as here in San Diego, seeing the San Diego team doctors and making sure he's not going to blow his arm out again and he's doing things correctly and he's progressing the way he should and he's not going to come back too early. So the major hurdle, as we probably all know, is what's commonly called the CBT. So if you look at an article and you see the letters, the CBT, It's almost like the CBA. When a normal person sees a CBA, they don't know what the hell that stands for. I don't know why they put these initials without in parentheses next to them, what they mean. It's kind of like the millennials on social media where they do their I know what LOL is now. Have known for a little while. But there's certain things that I don't know what they stand for. The CBT is the competitive balance tax. That's what the big fight is going to be. That's what it's going to come down to. Now, will they give a little and take a little and give a little and take a little to get other things? that they have on the table? Sure. That's what negotiations for the collective bargaining agreement that happens once every five years is all about. But the CBT, the collective balance tax, is actually a soft salary cap. And if you look it up, You'll be amazed, just like I was. There's only two teams in baseball that went over this amount last year. And who do you think they are? The Los Angeles Dodgers and our San Diego Padres. Well, the Dodgers owe a bunch. I think it's 30-some million bucks that they were fined because of going over this threshold. And the Padres owe a million. That's nothing nowadays. So this might not seem like a deal breaker to you, but trust me, both sides are going to be sitting on this and negotiating this hard because this is where the players association has lost ground in the last 10 years or so. Manfred has beat them up. And in my mind, he wants to keep beating them up almost to the the degree of being able to break the union. Will that happen? Can that happen? Remains to be seen. We'll see. In the meantime, the Correa's of the world and Trevor Stories and and Chris Bryant's and many other free agents are, are sitting out there wondering where their careers are taking them because they can't do anything. Absolutely nothing. 
And the players, instead of being in the training room, returning from Tommy John surgery, are out on their own. Well, shame on you, Major League Baseball, for doing that. I know it's a form of negotiation, but it's a weak form and even weaker. And this showed me the kind of person that Rob Manfred was, is blacking out the pictures of our favorite players almost on any MLB site that you try to go on. Coaches' pictures are there, and I'll tell you, let me tell you a funny thing before I before I let you go. Because th- this is one of the things that I was talking to Doug about. It's going to be a topic of conversation in the next couple of weeks with us. I promise you MLB is not going to talk about it because they want to keep it swept under the rug like it is already. Did you know that whatever major league team you're a fan of out there, they have five appointees. Five. On the major league staff for the pension benefit plan. So in other words, the Padres have a whole new coaching staff. When I say whole new, I'm talking about a dozen. And that that's counting Bob Melvin. Bob Melvin's going to be one of the guys, one of the five, for sure. Because although he shouldn't be, and you say, what are you talking about? Because Bob Melvin's already got his 10 years in. He doesn't need to be named as the beneficiary of one of the coach's spots and accumulate 20 years or 30 by the time he sits down and retires. Like Bruce Bochy did, Dave Rigetti did, Tim Flannery did when they were up in San Francisco and raised hell with the front office for not giving their spot to one of the coaches under him that had no benefit plan days on their ledger, and they could have used them. Well, there's a bunch of guys on this list that I'm curious to see. And you know what else I'm curious about? Why is Bader and Cervelli and Macias, why is their picture blanked out when you look up coaches on the San Diego Padre website but yet the Melvins and the Christensen's and the Brian Price's and the Somerville's, they're all there. Does Bader and Cervelli still fall into the player mode that they're not going to be looked at as management until after this new collective bargaining agreement is signed. That's what I think this means. This is so elementary on the part of Major League Baseball. It's a shame. It's a shame. And let me tell you how much of a shame I think it is. I think you all have the power. I said it on the onset of the show. You have the power. And with social media as strong as it is in this day and age with all the platforms, and we all know what they are. If this lockout slash strike stays in effect and ends up costing games, the fans of Major League Baseball ought to unite and pick out a day or two. I'm not saying a week. Let's be realistic here because your message will be heard if you take out a day or two 
And instead of going to your ballpark and walking into turnstile, go to your ballpark with a picket sign. And don't go in and spend any money. The players will notice it, and management sure as hell will notice it. But if you want to be heard, you need to do that. If. If it calls for it. And it'll call for it if parts of spring training are missed, parts of the season are missed, and there's less games played or all hell breaks loose, and there's a portion of the season that's lost. I wouldn't feel real good about what's going on right now if I were you. I'd be taking a cold, hard look, and it's not going to do any damn good for you to get on a post on Facebook that I'm done with this. I'm not renewing my season tickets. I mean, you can do that and it'll be felt somewhat, but we need 25,000 at each park to do that. And it can be done. Hacienda Casablanca, thank you again, as always, for making this show possible. Lacima Oil Company, keep your eyes. We didn't come up with anything to show you today. So it's not going to, did you see that? It's going to be, did you hear that? If it comes from this show, uh, Joe, the producer, will pick it out uh, again in the next two weeks and we'll got, give out another $100 gift card for $100 worth of great Chevron gasoline brought to you by the good folks at Lasima Oil. This is Kurt Bavacqua uh, for Alan and Joe, the producer. Uh, I thank you for tuning in. Um, I hope your new year, uh, even though it's only a week old, it's going great. Uh, stay safe from this COVID thing. I don't know what the hell's going on in your boat but let's uh, stay away from it let's wear a mask and get vaccinated be safe protect not only yourself but the folks around you and uh, we'll talk to you next time bye <laughs>